0: If you can relate to what folks are talking about, great. I think that that is exactly what we need in this day and age to tear down all the barriers and the walls that exist. If the bridge can be hip-hop, cross it.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, party people. This is Talib Kweli. This is the People's Party. We have Jasmine Lee in the house. She gonna hold me down. We have a lot of beautiful, wonderful, inspirational things to talk about. And we're gonna talk about them tonight with one of my favorite people on the planet, award-winning commentator, activist, journalist, lawyer. I mean, this woman does it all. She is the voice for the community. We love her around here. Give it up for Miss Angela Rye. Angela, Hello, how are, you? How are you? Good. Good. Good to see you? Good to see you. Hi, Jasmine. Hi, Angela. Thank you for coming, Angela. Thank you
0: for having me.
1: Um, we are honored by your presence.
0: Thank you. That was so nice. I'm happy <laughs> to be here.
1: I'm happy that you're here, too. Thank you for joining us on the People's Party.
0: The People's Party. That's the thing. That should be like a real thing. Sure. like merch and a movement that's starting.
1: We're going to, you're a part of the beginning of it. You know, we want to be sophisticated.
0: Yes, yes. that is the thing too. <laughs> yes, that is the thing too. Yes,
1: I, I, I read that about you. I read that you were sophisticated. <laughs> yes, I should have trademarked that. That is the thing. <laughs> um, so, you and me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but our relationship developed on Twitter first.
0: I think that sounds right. Yeah, that's yeah. probably right.
1: I was once suspended on Twitter.
0: Yes, I remember this.
1: Yeah, I've been locked on Twitter, and I've been <laughs> suspended on Twitter, and people don't really understand the difference a lot of times. You
0: know, they don't know sometimes if you the troll or the trolley. That's right, that's right. That's what that's happens. Right.
1: But <laughs> I, <laughs> I was, <laughs> you know, I troll the trolls sometimes. Yes. And um, I was a, a, a white supremacist troll that actually post, posted my mom's address. Mm. And, um, yeah... <laughs> exactly right. Crazy. But yeah, a white supremacist trolled, trolled me and uh, posted my mother's address. Mm-hmm. And I wrote something like, You can be found. Yeah. And I was suspended. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. And Especially I was looking if you for him. You post
0: my mama's address. Yeah, I
1: was looking for him. Like, like I
0: might be finding you right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. like, I don't want to go too deep into it, but he could have been found. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, um, and I got suspended for that. Yeah. And the first person I called was Angela Rye.
0: I remember. Yeah. I remember. So my uncle. um. Steve Looney had just passed away, Mm -hmm. and we were at his memorial service, like on the way there, and I was talking to my mom, I was like, Mom, they suspended childbirth's account. She was like, who? (laughs) I was like, never mind. (laughs) So I was like, on the way to the memorial service, Uh like, I gotta get his account reinstated. So I had just done an event with Twitter, and they were fantastic, and Mm. I think it changed quickly, right?
1: Yeah, I was suspended for about an hour.
0: look at God. Yeah, an
1: hour later, I had my account, I had an apology. Yeah. And um, it took them about three days to give me all my followers back. I think I had about 800,000 followers. I
0: forgot about that part, too. Yeah.
1: But it was interesting. Um, You know, a couple years later, I was locked because I had a a white supremacist lawyer, Jason Van Dyke, who was threatening me and my fans. with I'm going to shoot you and I'm going to hang you and all types of things. And I posted his business address. And they locked my account. But I remain on Twitter because, you know, I enjoy it. Yeah. I do. You I really enjoy I it. I do. I enjoy it a lot. Yes.
0: We know. <laughs> we know. Sometimes I'm like, I feel like I should tell him to take a spa day. <laughs> like, we need a spa day. We need to, like, do some breathing exercises. And you know
1: what's crazy? I'm privileged, very privileged in my yeah. life. I take a lot of spa days.
0: I know, but and I'm and saying, right when I'm watching you tweet, I'm like, right now.
1: I'm at the spa when I'm tweeting. <laughs> oh, no. On that note, we are definitely taking your phone
0: because you are missing out on some things. Oh, I Oh, I've taken, um, I would be honest with you, mm-hmm. since the 2016 election, mm-hmm. um, which was traumatizing to me and in a mm-hmm. lot of ways was a game changer, some good, some mm-hmm. bad. Um, I really have not been on Twitter as much. I noticed. Um, it has taken me a moment to just really get in alignment with myself, figure mm-hmm. out how I want to present to the world and what I feel is like the healthiest way for me to engage. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Twitter is it. There's some things... Um, I think from folks in our own community that mm-hmm. I've seen that have been harmful to people I care about and to me directly. I agree. Um, there are things where, like, I remember being on air saying that, like, the Make America Great Again hat is triggering for many of us. And mm. the response to that from the other side was not to figure out why. Like, well, what's going on? Why? Right, we we right, don't want right, anything we're right. championing to be triggering the folks, their response was to send me Make America Great Again hats mm. over and over and over again.
2: Mm.
0: Um, that's not a death threat, although I have had some of those too. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like, for what? Like This is not real life. You know what I mean? And if this isn't constructive discourse, this isn't the type of conversation I want to have.
1: No, yeah, I understand. I tell people about my Twitter feed. It's like, I really enjoy it. I feel empowered by it. But I understand Mm -hmm. that that's a unique thing for me. I understand my life experience has led me in a unique place to have a unique platform with uh, a unique... Uh, plethora of information yeah. that allows me to push back in ways that others can't, yeah. that might be triggering for other, other folks. It might be stressful. It's yeah. like, for me, it's not.
0: Wait, I have to tell you one more thing. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about where we first like met or at least had a conversation. I want to say this, um, and I'm not going to speak on behalf of the culture, but I know that there are tons of people who are of the culture who mm-hmm. feel this way. Like your music has been game changing and healing oh. and transformative to so many of us. I used to have beautiful struggle on repeat. Like <laughs> really? I might just bring that back today, just because like that whole album was Thank incredible you. to me, and of course everything before that. But like oh, that man. one in particular was like, I love this. You I gonna w- make
1: a black man blush?
0: Good. Oh, Come I on, see it. I see it coming. <laughs> Re- receive your flowers. Well, you
1: know it's crazy, and Jared can appreciate this uh, from Raucous because uh, he's in the house as well. Mm. Um, you know, beautiful struggle. That's the album. Where I started having black female fans mm-hmm. like before then it was mostly male, yeah, a lot of white fans mm-hmm. um, because it was very much you know sold and marketed and presented uh, based on who I was as yeah. underground yeah, yeah yeah, and in that culture was very testosterone driven mm-hmm. and um beautiful struggle, I had achieved a a little bit of su- uh, success yeah. and now I could afford Mary J. Blige and, yeah. and Faith Evans mm-hmm. and it had Neptune's beats on there and it's like there's, there was things I did as a black person that I think went against sort of what the hip-hop culture I was a part of at the time was. Mm-hmm. It was like people were like why is all the singing on the? Mm-hmm. Why is it all this? And I'm like "Well, I come. this is where I come from it's like great. I might exist and do this underground hip-hop Backpack mm-hmm. nod your head real well, but I come from lush sounds and R and B yeah. and vocalists. And I was I was the first artist to have Mary and Faith on the, on an album together since Biggie. That was like yeah. important to me.
2: Yeah, you know what
1: I'm saying. But you you are very much uh, involved in hip hop culture, and mm-hmm. you just telling me that story lets me know. Like when I read things from you, um, I read this thing that you did uh, for CNN where you made your point very well, but you quoted J. J. Cole lyrics while you were making your point. Mm -hmm. Um, You're associated with hip-hop so much. You're associated with Common. You're associated with The Breakfast Club. Um, Why are you so associated with hip-hop?
0: I think that um, there are uh, things about, like the way that I think about my house. So Mm -hmm. my parents had black art on the walls and black books on the shelves and made sure that I had black dolls. But I have a brother who's 14 years older than me, Brian, who I call Bubba. (laughs) Shout out to Bubba. (laughs) To Bubba. And Brian um, was always listening to hip hop. And so Mm. I think that was my entree into hip hop. But to me, I can tie every song um, growing up that influenced me in any way to an experience mm-hmm. um, and that's not unique to hip-hop. That's R&B too. that's um, Listening to Motown cassette tapes on road trips mm. with my parents like but of course uh, Many of those beats sampled by hip-hop artists So there are just experiences that I have that are tied directly to music music right. is so so important to me Not just because I can quote a lyric on CNN, but because when I heard that lyric it spoke to my soul mm. You know what I mean right. in a real unique way So I think that um I'm not talented in that way. You're very talented. (laughs) I understand. Yeah, right, right, right. In that way, like I could be in the soprano section in the third row, right? right? Like it needs to be far back. (laughs) Like, you know, don't have the mic right over my mouth. Right. But I I think that the reality of it is I love Beats and I love the inspiration that um, our music then art period. I think about like Alvin Ailey and mm-hmm. you know, the, the shows that we've had on Broadway or that never made it to Broadway, or our television shows growing up. Like I love what art has done for us and our expression right. of that. And it's so dope that folks try to culturally appropriate it, but you just Absolutely. can't do us better than us. That's right.
3: In 2019 it's crazy because like uh, hip-hop has changed so much and like it's not just a black thing now like all different cultures are doing hip-hop and when it first came out it was pretty much so we could tell our stories but in 2019 do you think that um, hip-hop is more just like party music
0: or is it still like revolutionary? So, this may be something I get trolled for, but this is my truth. I believe there's a distinction between hip hop and pop rap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that right now th- there's a, a dominance of pop rap. Um, but I also think that it's not all the way fair to say it's always been black. There were, you know, there was a group called the Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm yeah, just saying. But... And, but it's overwhelmingly black yeah. then, and it's still overwhelmingly black now. And I think the reality of it is, is um, it allows people to express however they see fit. And it's always had a multicultural mm-hmm. audience and supporters and fans and like more power to the people. If you can relate to what folks are talking about, great. I think that that is exactly what we need in this day and age to tear down all the barriers and the walls that exist. Right. If the bridge can be hip hop, cross it.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck D once famously called hip-hop CNN for the black community. Love
0: yeah.
1: it. Um, you know, now we have a lot more channels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was back when mm-hmm. CNN was like really like the, the, the news, news channel, channel, right? Now we have a lot more. Um, but I think the, to Chuck D's point, hip-hop was feeding the community mm-hmm. with information, with inspiration, feeding mar- marginalized communities with all that. Um, oh, does hip-hop sure. still do that?
0: I think it does. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about J. Cole a moment ago. Like I know so many folks who learn about, uh, who learned about tax policy on the last mm-hmm. J. Cole album. Mm-hmm. Um, even the stuff that Cardi does, who I think has crossed over between hip hop and pop. Right. She's right? still like she's speaking to people. Um, using her personal experiences to educate folks um even if mm -hmm, and uplift and i think the other thing that um hip-hop is doing a little better now like even if you look at the 444 album Mm -hmm. getting people to talk about their experiences Mm -hmm. and um it's crazy because we started talking about 2016 and how that was transformative to me i can't believe how impacted I personally have been from Nipsey's death Mm. and the community. And one of the things going back to like what we learned from hip hop, all the stuff that he was talking about us doing, the ways Mm -hmm. in which he was pouring back into the community that raised him, like we have so much to learn. And if we are responsive to and heed the lessons that are in hip hip hop, we would be doing so much better. Starting with Chuck D. Like you, Mm -hmm. like, man, I mean, if we would really listen and not just be like, ooh, that's deep, and then move on. Mm -hmm. But ooh, that's deep, how am I going to apply? We'll be so much better off.
1: Yeah, man, I agree. Chuck D's name comes up so often man. in these conversations. Incredible. Um, it's interesting. Chuck D went to graduated from Adelphi University um, years later mm-hmm. in his career, mm-hmm. uh, while my father was teaching there. Oh man. Uh, a little, a little while ago, about a couple months ago, my father and Chuck D did a conference together. Which was interesting for me to watch because it's like my hip-hop father mm-hmm. and my actual father mm-hmm. sitting down and having a conversation. That's dope. Um, my parents made sure that I had. You were talking about black books. Mm-hmm. I didn't have black dolls, but I had all types of black things. And 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 I've seen you do interviews talking about this Anheuser Bush. Yes. Kings and Queens yes. poster, which I also have. I was gonna ask you, if you had house. it, like yeah. every,
0: like all of we're old enough. It's the older ones. Yeah,
1: house. you know, you have that. You Slightly, got the footprints in the weird. sand, the Jesus with the footprints, Man. and you got the the Anheuser Bush. I didn't
0: Bush. have the Jesus. With
1: the foot- <laughs> I definitely had my grand. Did you tea. guys
0: have the statues with all the naked uh, African women?
1: I my
3: did. Mom had those yeah, we all had over yeah that, for
0: sure. <laughs> statues with the with the spear. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, on the, on the, there's a picture, I should post it soon, but there's a picture of me and my brother, he was going to his prom, and I'm looking up at him with the baddest leg warmers that ever existed, <laughs> hey. I just try to wear these things every day, but there's a picture of Jesse Jackson hanging on the mantle, uh-huh. next to that is this picture with Malcolm X and Muhammad mm-hmm. Ali, mm-hmm. and then, um, what else, what else is over there? There's like Essence in the basket, anyway, it's a very, it was a very black...
1: Household. So your father was an activist in Seattle. He still is. Still is. Eddie Rye.
0: Eddie Rye with a bullhorn.
1: Shout out to Eddie Rye. <laughs> um, how is, and he named you after Angela Davis. Yes. I'm named Talib Kweli. Yeah. How important is it for, to have that representation in your name, in your household, that black representation growing up?
0: Um, Well, it's major, and the more I learned about um, Angela Davis, I was floored and humbled, and I'm like, how am I ever going to live up to that? Mm -hmm. So some of it, too, is, like, pressure. Um, But a full-circle moment for me was just this past January, meeting her for the first time, being like... And then for her to know who I was, I was ready to die right there. (laughs) I was like, this is so dope. So... You feel like
1: you're in the right place, right? I
0: just felt, like, whole, you know what I mean? It Mm -hmm. was in that moment where it was, like, just complete, like, wow this is somebody who not only knows who i am but who says she's proud of what Mm. i'm doing like it meant the world to me and especially like she's brilliant Um, ain't she though oh my god like brilliant the stuff she's doing um, mass incarceration the way in which she's advocating for our brothers and sisters in palestine like all the stuff she's done um i heard a conversation with her and she mentioned that um, somebody asked her, do you feel spread too thin, like having to mobilize and work on behalf of people all over the world? And she was like, no, if there are people struggling somewhere, like it's our obligation to kind of help them. Get right, ahead. Right. And I'm like, man, that is so real. But she's incredible. Yeah,
3: yeah. I think your representation of how you grow up like really uh, molds your mind. Because as you keep talking about black dolls, we weren't allowed to have anything besides black dolls mm-hmm. so when we were growing up we knew black was beautiful um we w- i went to all black school we were taught lift every voice and sing mm-hmm. like we had the- those things to look up to
0: yeah no it's it makes a huge difference and i think that um what i've noticed now what i what i've come into realizing is that that is still a form of privilege. So Mm -hmm. I like to acknowledge Mm -hmm. that too. Like one, thank you to my parents. Absolutely, educational privilege. Man, like the the education piece, the fact that my mom knew that like, as soon as I left the house every day, that my blackness would be tried and tested, that I might be invisible in textbooks. So they Mm -hmm. were like, well, we are gonna show you some other books. Right. Like that was, it was just a major, major, major thing. And I'm so grateful for them.
1: Well, I think the reason why Angela Davis could come up to you and know who you are and be proud of you is because you really have, on many levels, become our voice. Mm-hmm. When we see you on TV, like you say things with your face, with your eyes, and with your words, that when I'm watching, it's very rare that I watch a talking head mm-hmm. on a, comment, commentating on politics That I'm like, that's exactly how I feel. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I would have said. You spoke when we first started talking about how emotional mm-hmm. the 2016 mm-hmm. election made you feel. And um, we all saw that. Yeah. We all saw you on TV going through that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you still feel that same rawness or is it more numb now?
0: Um, I think that I vacillate between frustration and anger and disbelief, like, mm-hmm. and then I'm, you know, then you, you kind of like, well, I'll say for me, I judge myself like, Why aren't you over this yet? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? like. So I'm not being very kind to my wounded inner child in those moments. But I'm just like, I wanna get over it, but I can't because every single day there's something else more treacherous happening. Um, And on the thing about the voice that I think is important, one, thank you. That means a lot coming from you. It also feels like a lot of pressure. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I don't wanna bear that pressure. Like I just wanna speak my truth without having the responsibility of the community. And I think, especially now, because there are things that I say that the community doesn't love. I am another point of privilege is whether it's in every relationship I've been in, every you know boyfriends, family members have all loved me. The com- I'm used to the community being like, that's our girl, that's our girl, and like within the last seven or eight months, mm. it's been like division even coming from the community, and mm. that shit hurts. Sorry. Am I not
1: supposed to? Nah, hurt? you can curse well, can. as much as you fucking yeah. want. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, hey, that's my Let truth. it out. That's right? an important point but that you make. It. Yeah. it
0: really it's really sad because it's like, yo, number one, black folks aren't monolithic. We're that's not absolutely gonna agree right. on, on every everything. single thing all the time.
1: And that's where our discourse is at right but now. Where is. if you don't agree with every single thing yes, I agree with. Like
0: every single thing and it's like, yo, I c I don't, number one, I, I'm not ever gonna be the type of voice for you where I'm gonna speak your truth mm-hmm. and shame mine or hide mine. I can't do that.
1: You know, you know what I think that comes from, coming from academics and yeah. speaking to that academic privilege. Yeah, I was taught, uh, drilled in me, uh, that you have to research. Yeah, coming from you know the five percent God body community in Brooklyn when I was running the streets, I was taught show and prove. Yeah, show and prove. If you don't show and prove then, you know, your word is not bond. Mm-hmm. Your word has to be bond. Mm-hmm. And so now we have a generation, I think, of people who you have experience as a lawyer, you had to go to school for this, you have experience in the community. Uh, people talk about on code, but don't really understand what that means. Mm-hmm. People are getting their information, in my opinion, from YouTube exclusively.
2: And They're I'm
1: watching Talking Heads on YouTube, and it's like confirmation bias. They're watching things yeah. that validate what they already believe. Yeah. They're in those comment sections. And then they're going to Twitter and Facebook. And they're speaking on what they saw on YouTube. And then they're making YouTube videos about what they saw on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And they're like, click and let me monetize and give you my opinion yeah. about. And so when you don't have sort of a filter, you don't have any type of. Uh, any type of, And I don't want to it's not about authority or gatekeeping. Yeah. It's just about. Knowledge,
0: But but the thing is, so, I, yes, I agree with that. But I also think that for me, um, my role as a voice mm-hmm. is not to be, um, my, I want my word to be bond, but mm-hmm. I will also misspeak. Absolutely. Because I'm human. I will Absolutely. forget something. When I was on the phone with my assistant earlier. I was like, oh, I got to pay this makeup artist from something two weeks ago. And then I was like, when I told you I was going to do that, did you do it or did I do it? And she called me back 45 seconds later to make sure I did it. That's a mm-hmm. problem, like, you know, when your short-term yeah, yeah, yeah. memory is just... So my point is is in saying this, that sometimes I'll say things thinking people will understand the full context, but they don't because they're not in my head. I That's do that right. with my team all the time, but there's no room for error. We're not giving each other any grace. It is right. not from like a spirit of love. Now, granted, if you go back to, you know, Marcus Garvey, W.E.B., Booker T., they weren't always so gracious either. Some mm-hmm. nasty comment sections. They would have had YouTube videos, child, would be cr- lit <laughs> right now. They'd
1: have been calling uh, Malcolm X an immigrant.
0: <laughs> yeah, yo, or that right. right now, yes. But I think, that, or Marcus Garvey too. Mm-hmm. But, like, the point that I'm raising is just that, I would like for us to evolve beyond even where they were. As brilliant as they were, like, can we operate from a place of love, agree to disagree Mm -hmm. truly respectfully, not just to be saying it.
1: Right, revolutionary love. That would be a thing. Not just revolutionary rhetoric. Yeah.
3: And listen to understand, and not just listen to condemn, because I feel like a lot of Mm -hmm. these new kids, Number one, they're very, very privileged, and they feel like what their word is goes, and they don't really do all the research like you're saying because before we had to go and look at encyclopedias. Mm-hmm. So it's like most of our information is written down. It's coming from the same place. Now there's so many outlets of information you can get that you have no idea if it's correct or not.
1: And yeah. some of that is good, you know, because the encyclopedias was written by old rich white men. But I loved reading encyclopedias too. Though. But it's about it's about it's about <laughs> vetting your sources, right? Yeah, it's yeah. about understanding and if, if you're reading Huffington Post or the root or you know whatever these stories, you have to understand this is a left progressive bias and they might be biased and they, they think I I'm of the opinion that the leftist bias is closer to the truth yeah that's my own opinion right. but you know you have to understand that you you know there's 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 sites to have a Uh, a right bias, the Encyclopedia Britannica has a bias.
0: And there's also sites that just are wrong. You know, and to me, like, if there was one thing, like, if I die tomorrow, I want people to know this. Because it's in print, does not make it fact. That's right. Period. Like, we got a thousand textbooks. I use this example all the time in my, um, see how I didn't even finish my last sentence, but I have a better idea. There, there's Take example. note, that's what smart people do. <laughs> yes.
1: They cover it all.
0: Or you got ADD or something. <laughs> but um, there is a thing that I say in speeches often where I'm talking about George Washington, and those are not wooden teeth. Those were not wooden teeth in his mouth, mm-hmm. they were teeth from his slaves. That's we right. learned that in, in class because they wanted us to believe he was just out here picking apples or whatever the hell. He was, was like, <laughs> right? Didn't you right. learn about George Washington? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's you what learned that he had wooden it. teeth in his mouth. Yeah. Like, they want to glamorize this stuff. And I, I posted something about, man, some of these dudes that had no business on Mount Rushmore. And um, somebody from Indian country was like, they didn't need Mount Rushmore. They took that from us, too. And I was like, facts, you right? right. So, you know, anyway, I don't even know what my point was. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, it's not, it's not fact because it's in print. The textbooks That's right. are lying, too. That's right. But you just
3: gotta read everything. When you read an article, try and find at least four more articles on that same thing Mm -hmm. to try and figure out if it's telling you the truth. Come on, journalists and Mm -hmm. teach.
1: Come on. No doubt. Come on. So when I say something (laughs) that people have an issue with, they go after my music. If they can't beat my argument, they'll go after my music or they'll be like, you know, most F was better or this and that. (laughs) With women, they're gonna go after your looks. And your yes. hair, and your clothes, <laughs> immediately.
0: There's a, um, I won't give him any um, any power by mm. mentioning his name, but there's a, uh, not even an activist, what is he? I don't even want to call him a scholar because he couldn't get tenure. A person. A person, mm-hmm. who like is mad at something I said recently. He's always mad at me, he mm. claims that I was arrogant when I met him. I think mm-hmm. I was just rushing out of a venue, but people mm-hmm. decide that's arrogant. But he called me a bitch on whatever platform he mm-hmm. has. Um, and so I think that's interesting to me. I'm more offended by bitch than I am cunt. Cunt doesn't hit me as much as like that's the n word yeah, I think it might insult. be. I don't yeah, white get... <laughs> women get very upset. Yeah, I don't want to be called one necessarily. You know that you but can like, get kicked like...
1: off a qu- Twitter for calling a woman a cunt. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh well, then. But to be you
1: can't get kicked, get, get kicked on off of Twitter for saying. calling a woman a bitch.
0: Interesting. Yeah,
1: cunt is seen as, I know the TOS very well. Let's
0: talk to
1: Jack well. about that. I know! <laughs> I very well, i got an ins and outs. If y'all didn't
0: totally know he was a <laughs> troll, he's a troll <laughs> on Twitter, y'all. He's a professional,
1: high-grade <laughs> troll.
0: Professional. Hey, man,
1: I troll the trolls, man. I bully the bullies. That's what I do. We
0: need I make
1: them rethink their decision. Um, <laughs>
0: is
1: that what you <laughs> That's what I do. I, I make them rethink their course of action. Like, you uh, might want to back up.
3: Oh, sorry. Uh, let's talk about feminism versus womanism. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: What what is your definition of both? Um, So I do believe that feminism, the intention of the the feminism definition is um, to ensure that women have the same rights as men Mm -hmm. um, and deserve them. And of course we do. Um, Womanism is, I think, a different iteration of that because particularly women of color felt um, as if feminism didn't include them. particularly when the movements kind of started, I think it's interesting as we're creeping upon women's suffrage that the centennial anniversary for women's suffrage, which will be 2020, um, that this is still a discussion point. Um, But I think it needs to be one, 53 percent of white women voted for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Um, White women are clearly silent in the South where, you know, these abortion bans, bills restricting reproductive Mm -hmm. justice rights are being. You know, past writ large, and it's like, what? At what point do you put your interests over your husband's and your son's? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that still remains an issue. Um, I know I was reading this article. I don't know. I want to say a few months ago when they were talking about women's suffrage coming. I'm gonna send it to you because actually was really okay. dope. Um, but this uh, this writer was talking about not repeating the mistakes of the past, right? And making sure that this this time in 2020, it's a more inclusive movement. Um, that if it's a race issue, but it's still a woman bringing the race issue to you, it's time for white women to align behind mm-hmm. this race issue um, from a spirit of um, intersectionality. Like, be really embracing that and it not just being upon us to embrace intersectionality.
1: That's the um, criticism that uh, the black community has mm-hmm. with feminism, they, and not the black community, certain some aspects, folks, some people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they criticize uh, intersectionality as well. Yeah, I am someone who would like to think of myself as supportive of feminism, yeah. of the concept of it, not of how it's been played out in black communities Absolutely. with black women. I'm also supportive of womenism. Um, but they're, you know, I, I publicly identify as a feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, I publicly identify as a woman, it's, to me, it's, it's, they're saying the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think it is now and tying it into the reproductive justice conversation. Mm-hmm. Because from what I understand, reproductive justice as opposed to talking about being pro-life or mm-hmm. pro-choice brings in the, the fact that white women have a better shot of getting abortions and it brings in the uh, the, the health risk and it brings mm-hmm. in the just the, the, the class and race issues that don't get talked about in the pro-life, pro-choice thing. Um, what do you think it is that's, that's creating, besides the obvious, mm-hmm misogyny and sexism that's creating such a hatred and such a backlash for women, particularly now um, standing up for their rights?
0: Um, I think that the religious right
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, has cloaked this in what is holy. And I think that if we are to cloak it in what is holy, that um, the religious right should have to state whether they are Christian when they go and get that Viagra. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the religious right should have to take a lie detector test on whether or not they've ever pulled out. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'm just like, let's just be for real because the hypocrisy is insane. And I normally don't talk about sex like this because I grew up in the church. But now I'm just like, listen, if we're gonna legislate vaginas, we're gonna legislate penises too.
1: That's right, because I can go get a vasectomy.
0: But I want to legislate vasectomies too. You know, and even, I started looking at this when um, I found out that the military paid prescription prices, are paid for prescriptions for Viagra, but they mm-hmm. didn't want to pay for the right, prescriptions right, right. for um, transgender people mm-hmm. in the military. So I was just like, this is some hypocrisy that's unbelievable. So anyway, it's just like, it's a there's a scripture that says, he who's without uh, sin cast the first stone, and I'm just like, it's more of that. It's right. not really about what is holy, because if it was about what is holy, there wouldn't be migrant children sleeping on rocks. If it was about what is holy, we wouldn't be locking people up so that private prisons could make more money. If it was about what was holy, we wouldn't have the homelessness crisis that is rampant throughout the country, right? If it was about what's holy, we wouldn't be fighting for people to be making minimum wage, a livable wage Mm -hmm. that is a minimum wage, right? It is about um, control. It is about fear. and it's, uh, yeah, they are Pharisee type stuff. That's,
1: that? that's interesting to me because I didn't grow up in a church. Mm-hmm. But what I've seen happen in politics, and I've seen a black community, certain people in our community fall for this, is this idea that the right wing or conservatives own family values. Yeah. Or they own the concept of wanting to be active in your community and this and that. Yeah. And... Um, you know, it's very important to me that people understand that you're someone who is not a right-wing person at all, at all. but you grew up in the church, mm-hmm. and you have the same values. Like, that, those values are not owned by a political party. And the same way that the right wing doesn't own homophobia.
0: they own, But The other thing is, like you said, they don't own family values. I would say that they don't even display family values I agree with because that. why are there so many broken families? And
1: that's how long the con is because they yeah. don't even display family values, but they've convinced the whole country yeah, that not only that we are the like, if you're not a right wing person, mm-hmm. you know, like like right wingers and white supremacists who argue with me online, yeah. they try to claim Malcolm X. Mm. Because they're saying he's a conservative because he's religious <laughs> and he's a family man. He must be a conservative. He's a pro-black, pan-African, son-of-an-immigrant Muslim black man yeah. who didn't even identify as an American.
0: They try mm-hmm. to claim Frederick Douglass and Martin Luther King too. In yeah.
1: They've been trying to claim King for years, but this Malcolm yeah. thing is new. You know, yeah, they're, they're that's you know, fair.
0: I hear you. They probably are pulling old clips. I think the worst thing that happens now, speaking of what happens online, mm-hmm. people take like small sound bites. Yeah, that ballad a the of the bullet. Content.
1: They took the ballad of the bullet speech mm-hmm. and they they make these gifs and these these memes where mm-hmm. they take where Malcolm says he's not a Democrat. Yeah. But he also said, I'm not a Republican. That's I'm not right. an American. That's right. They just take the I'm not a Democrat. He was very critical of Democrats and liberals. Yeah. But he would also criticize the the, the Republicans in the same sense. Yeah. They would just leave that out.
0: It's not just the Labels though, it really is um, democracy. There's no such thing as a democracy with a two-party system, and the third, the third lane, or you know, it's it's not existent. The independent streak is the Green Party ain't a thing. Bernie is you know independent until he needs a Democratic base for votes. Like, it's not a real thing. And so um, I always think about speaking of posters on the wall. My dad brought back home. Um, yeah. Uh, right after Nelson Mandela's election like this thing about South Africans uh, democratic system and there were all these parties like they had parties based on sports and like there were a gazillion parties on this poster mm-hmm. and I'm in my mind in high school in uh, middle school I was like that's what democracy supposed to look like and I've right. never shed that thought I'm like, we could have a black party. If the Tea Party pushed Republicans further to the right, we could have a black party that pushes Democrats further to inclusivity. Don't call yourself a big tip party if half of the damn party is invisible to you. That's right. So I, it's so funny to me because there's they there's saying I'm bought off by the Democrats. I'm like, where is the money then? You don't got, got it. These folks are afraid of me. Like, it, I don't, I don't, I'm not bought off by no damn Democratic Party. I'm more <laughs> critical of the Democrats because I expect more out of them right. than Republicans. But I'm like, you guys are so dumb. They we're say I the get check.
1: checks too. They say I got a Soros check and a DNC check. And- oh, you she got, got do checks with
0: me because I need some checks. DNC don't be paying no money. Yeah. Um,
1: no, no, they really don't. No, they really don't. <laughs>
0: and they were mad at me till not that long ago. My friend is a senior advisor over there now. But not that long ago, they were like. Right.
1: A lot of people in our community are sort of, over the voting thing, you know, and I've even in the past mm. spoken on why I didn't vote. I've evolved in my okay, thinking. Okay, I was about to say. Yeah, I've evolved in my thinking. Got a look. Yeah, I, you know, is that one of the one of yeah, looks. Sorry, <laughs> the hell. So early in my life, um, you know, I didn't like all the money in politics. Yeah. I didn't like the Electoral College. Okay. I didn't like my choices. I didn't. I, I yeah. still to this day don't like the concept of voting for the less, lesser of two mm-hmm. evils. I don't agree with that concept. Yeah. Um what turned me around in voting was reading about Malcolm X and Adam Clayton Powell. Mm. And Malcolm, who's my hero, um, how they used the vote as a strategy, as a, as a tool. Yep. Uh, block voting, getting the community together on certain issues. Yep. That we com- and, and looking at other communities in New York City that were doing the same thing. Of course, other communities didn't have the history of slavery. Mm-hmm. Like our, our community has. So it's different. Different level of organizing. Um, but I understand why people don't want to vote.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'm not yeah.
1: critical of it. I now speak in favor of voting, but i don't I try not to shame or look at someone because i know I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. I know where, where why people thought like that right now, we have a situation where donald trump um, people in our community say, Well, why does it even matter that he's president because on the ground, whether it 's Trump or Obama, conditions don't change, mm-hmm. and there's truth to that yeah. um, but there's also truth to the fact that there's aspects of the Trump administration that are dangerous in ways that we've never seen. That's right. And I think that you've spoken on those things very eloquently. Thank and you. so what is it about Trump that makes him more anti-black than our past presidents?
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know that he's more anti-black than our past presidents. Yeah. I think that he's more bold mm-hmm. with it. It's not, as, it's not like implicit, it is explicit and clear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I take issue with voting Um, or getting people to vote just to oppose him. I feel like there is an empowerment strategy that must exist to get people to see their importance. I really believe um, our failure to mobilize around, um, not just voting either, because I think that's part of the problem, but around um, our representation holistically Mm -hmm. in politics is um, where we're still kind of carrying slave mentality. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, If you're not economically empowered because you don't have the resources, Mm -hmm. if your community is suffering because it doesn't have the resources, and the one thing you can do is engage in a political process to get those resources to the community and to businesses to change lives, is engaging in the political process? Like, Mm -hmm. that is the one place where we can change things, and for whatever reason, that does not click for us. Right. Um. One of the things I think that was the most humbling for me where I related more to this idea of not voting or why even do this if it's not going to change is in the 2018 election watching what happened with Stacey Abrams and Andrew Mm -hmm. Gillum. Mm -hmm. I promise you. Andrew won. I agree. I cannot wait until it's uncovered. I don't know how it's going to be uncovered, but I promise you he won. And my, it was and such it, a
1: groundswell as well.
0: Man, and yeah. my visceral reaction was like, why the f- do I even do this? Right. Like, why do I even do a this? A lot of if- people
1: st- get stuck there.
0: And, and, it's, and that's what happened. So I was like, let me sit with this so I can understand it, so I'm more empathetic going forward. Mm-hmm. But, like, how do we change it? Because we can't stay here. They are going to kill us. And I'm not mm-hmm. talking about taking lives and it being another civil war, although it could be that way. Mm -hmm. But like, they're going to starve us to death of all the resources. It is a slow death. There's an analogy that folks use all the time talking about, If you put a frog in boiling hot water, it's going to pop right out. Mm -hmm. But if you put the frog in the pot of water and slowly increase the temperature, it'll be boiled to death. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening with us. So the reason why we have to pay attention to everything that Trump is doing and all the little Trumps in states and and, in city councils, all the judges
1: that they're putting so they can have this anti-abortion legislation. And
0: the judges who will say that they can't even acknowledge that Brown versus Board of Education is the law of the land, Mm -hmm. which integrated schools like we have to pay attention to that. Right, there is no better. Because they're playing the long game. Yeah, they, and they've been doing that. Mm-hmm. There's no better advocate for us than ourselves. So I'm saying vote so that you can put people who think like us and look like us in office. Vote because there would have never been a BET if Bob Johnson didn't engage in the political process. Mm-hmm. Sure, he sort of divide Viacom now, but the point is we had representation on air. All of that stuff happens through the policymaking process. And
1: that's been sort of your whole mission, if if yeah. from my perspective, um, impact, Yeah. Um, which from what I could tell, took off very quickly. and mm-hmm. has been su- uh, super successful. Uh, legislative advocacy um, is a term that I had never heard of mm-hmm. until I looked up what I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. Um, and I, that sounds like what you're talking about here. Mm-hmm.
0: Part of it is, is legislative, but I'm really talking about political advocacy mm-hmm. overall, whether it is aligning state legislators like... American Legislative Exchange Council that was stood up by the Koch brothers, they were writing up bills, and the, the state legislators and other places were copying and pasting that same legislation and dropping it. We need to be right. doing the same thing. Right. That doesn't take money to do. So we developed a whole database of every black elected official in the country, and I promise you we are going to make that work for us.
1: When, I, when, you know, when you Google search somebody and things come up, and you know, with, uh, Angela Rye, CNN, Angela Rye, Impact, what does Angela Rye do? Comes uh, up, and <laughs> and it's because I bet you would me no, no, no. And,
0: what, what, who is this know, fool, because, actually?
1: You know, especially around like the CBC, mm. the Congressional Black Caucus. Yeah. people are super ignorant about what it is that the Congressional Black Caucus mm. does. So, I would like you to enlighten us.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, I worked for the Congressional Black Caucus during the 112th Congress. I was the Executive Director and General Counsel. Mm. The Congressional Black Caucus now, because people turned out in the 2018 election, is the largest. It's ever been there are 55 um, members of congress mm-hmm. black members of congress who are members there are two two black members who aren't joined so 57 members total they're republicans mm-hmm. um, but what they do they are called the conscience of the congress mm-hmm. and over time the cbc has done everything from introducing a budget every year that they thought um you know basically how different departments should be funded They have um, introduced a bill on reparations. Every single Congress, Mr. Conyers started that, and Sheila Jackson Lee, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee from Houston, just took that bill over. Um, Whether it's in the amendment process, making sure that we're represented, that communities of color are considered, Mm -hmm. um, that they're advocated for, those are our voices. Um, And I see them as mothers and fathers, some of them big brothers and big Mm -hmm. sisters now. We don't always all agree. They don't always all agree with each other. Right. But... They are some of the best fighters we have um, in
1: Congress, and I'm just grateful
0: to see how they continue to evolve.
1: What do you have to say to people who are within our community, yeah. who are critical of them? In uh, the same way that they're critical of people like Barack Obama, yeah. uh, critical of them for working with uh, big banks or uh, certain, or working with certain lobbyists, what, what do you have to say to those critics?
0: So the first thing I would say is I was the CBCED during President Obama's tenure, mm. and some of the toughest Um, moments I've had was when the CBC, um, couldn't get support from the Obama administration on things. Like we were doing a jobs tour and it Mm. was devastating to me that we couldn't get support in Mm. alignment with them. Um, they decided to do a jobs tour in rural America when we were going to the heart of the community. That's when, um, black unemployment was double, like, Mm. it's always double the national average, but it was like 16%, it was super high um so that was really crushing but there were also some moments where we really did align and could work together i think that again Um, the way that you make policy is not monolithic. And they have to take into consideration what's in the best interest of their constituents and their districts. And sometimes those things are not in alignment. Right Right now, this is the first time where I think most of the CBC members do not represent majority-minority districts, meaning they have more white constituents than they have black. Wow. They will still be the voices of black Americans. We don't have anybody else. Right, right. Um, Also, you talked about big banks. Congresswoman Maxine Waters is the chair, the first woman, the first black person ever to chair financial services. Child, she is taking these big banks to task. Like, yeah. it is not happening. Yeah, we love Maxine she's like, Waters we around here. maybe should break y'all up. Yeah. Maxine. Maybe y'all should go to jail, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That way. You know, like, she's just not she's yeah. just Not here. Um, and she's like the dopest, fiercest advocate ever. That was my first political internship.
1: Shout out to Maxine yes, Waters.
0: Yes. The um, queen.
1: Do you have a top five favorite MCs?
0: So I'm going to say Black
1: Thought. Black Thought, um, exactly.
0: I'm gonna say. I'm, I'm gonna trying say, to tell him. I'm gonna say J Cole. I'm gonna do some newer ones because I yes, feel like J. the newer Cole. ones. Don't okay, get, J Cole. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna say Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm going to say I need a woman. <laughs> I put Lauren in there.
1: Yeah, Lauren's got to make top five.
0: I, I had to put Lauren in there. Um How many do I have? You're four. Damn! See what happens. You every
1: got one time? more. Mm. A lot of competition no, 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 right. for that last spot. I
3: know. I'm like, <laughs> okay. choose wisely.
1: I'm like, um, hmm. I'm going to say Tupac. Tupac Shakur. I'm going to say Tupac.
0: I have like five more. But In a I'll spirit
1: the of revolutionary love.
0: Man. For
1: Tupac Shakur. I love Tupac. Ladies and gentlemen, Angela Rod. Thank you. Thank you. That was In and fun. out. Not enough.